Last week we were working our way through the second chapter of Galatians, and we read the verses 17 through 21, and now we're going to revisit verse 20 and look at that again. There's still more to be said about this verse in connection with the Lord's Supper, so we will do that this morning. So we're going to read Galatians 2, verses 15 through 21, and then pay especially close attention to verse 20. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose." And this morning we will briefly focus on verse 20 together as we prepare ourselves for celebrating the Lord's Supper. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, These past few weeks, we have been working our way through Galatians, and it's been an exhilarating journey. It's exhilarating to go back to the basics of your faith, to revisit that which you know and to be confirmed in it again. It's very easy to be lost in details when you get into a a book like this. From that perspective, it's been hard work, hard work to get in really deep to understand what it means to go through all of those details, exhilarating, but hard work. And so sometimes when you look at all these details, you, you get caught up in it and, and you lose the sense of warmth that also comes through so strongly in this letter, and especially in verse 20. There's real warmth in this text this morning, and we're going to try to recapture that together. It's the same warmth that you find around the Lord's Supper table, the same warmth that we will experience as we we celebrate the sacrament this morning. So as we prepare ourselves for that, let's spend some time meditating on verse 20 of this passage in light of the Lord's Supper. And we do that by making a very personal confession. At the table, the Son of God assures me that He loves me. And we'll see that He gave His life for me And he gives his life in me. Now Paul writes, The life that I now live, 
in the flesh. Um, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the question is, when did Jesus give himself? And he did that on the cross. Paul already referred to that in the opening verses of this letter, in 1 verse 4, when he said that Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Jesus gave himself over to the wrath of God, to the judgment of God, and he did that to atone for the sins of his people. And that comes back in this phrase when when Paul says that Jesus gave himself for me. Now, what makes this act of giving himself so remarkable is that Jesus did this before Paul or any of us believed him or loved him. Paul was not a believer when Jesus died for him. He was already alive when Jesus died, given his age as a young rabbi, given the amount of time it would have taken for him to, to study to get to that point. We can be certain that he would have been alive when Jesus was born or when Jesus um, um, ministered and when Jesus died. But there's no indication in the Bible that he saw Jesus or that he knew of him, although it is certainly possible that he would have known of him and maybe would have even seen him from a distance. But uh, that's not relevant because even if he had, Paul was not a believer. In fact, in his first letter to Timothy, he says, Formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. Yet Jesus gave himself for Paul. Paul's salvation was already determined long before he was even born. What about us? We did not grow up like Paul did. Most of us have already encountered the other sacrament, baptism. We encountered that in our infancy. At some point, God brought you into his covenant. But on some level, you were not that different from Paul. Like Paul, you received the great blessing of being brought up with the scriptures, but you still had to believe them. You still had to make them your own. You still had to respond to God's covenantal promises in faith. So from that perspective, you were not that different from Paul. In fact, maybe you held on to your unbelief and ignorance. Maybe you put off your response to God's call. Maybe you were young and foolish and you liked it that way. Maybe you lived a life that was outwardly respectable but inwardly self-centered. Maybe you regularly drank too much. Maybe you engaged in dangerous driving or other foolishness. Maybe some of you still do. And those deeds are sinful. They were sinful then, and they are sinful now. Sin is always sinful. Sin always incurs the guilt of death. Sin always displeases God. Yet God extended grace to you. Over time, He worked in your heart. He assured you through His Word that His death, the death of Christ, had become yours He assured you that all the demands of God's law had been met in you and for you. He assured you, as as Paul put it, that, that you were crucified with Christ. And that's represented in the bread and the wine this morning. The bread is broken. The wine is poured out. That represents the breaking of his body and the pouring out of his blood for you. 
As the form says, from this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we learn that he directs our faith and trust in his perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross. It is the only ground for our salvation. So you notice that word directs. He directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice. We all, we all get distracted from time to time. We all need reorientation. We all need refreshment. And that is what the Lord's Supper does for you. He, he takes, he uses the elements and he redirects your, your faith and your focus and your vision back onto the things that matter most. That's what he does. At the table, the Son of God assures me that he loves me. He gave his life for me and he gives his life in me. In our text, Paul writes, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He didn't just die so that we could be justified. He didn't just die to make us right with God. He also died so that we could be sanctified. He lives in us so that we can live for him, that our life can become more and more holy. In other words, he gives his life in me. Now, what does that mean? The form again puts it really nicely when it says, For by his death he has removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin, and obtained for us the life-giving Spirit. By this Spirit, who, listen carefully, dwells in Christ as the head and in us as his members, we have true communion with him and share in all his riches, life eternal, righteousness, and glory. In other words, we are united to Christ by faith. And he actually lives in us by his spirit. You still live in the flesh, as our text says. You're still in this life. You're still in this age. But you live by faith. And that faith is fed through the sacraments of the Lord's Supper. As the bread and the wine feed us physically, so Christ sustains us spiritually. This is not a metaphor. We have true communion with him. We really share in his life. We really share in his righteousness. We really share in his glory. And all of this comes out of God's desire to be reunited with us. The Lord's Supper is not just a ritual. It is not just a free reform thing that we do out of custom or superstition. It is the table of the Lord. At the table, the Lord assures me that he loves us. He assures us that he loves us. And he shares a meal with us. A meal is festive. A meal represents God's goodwill to us. Nobody eats with his enemies. The table is for God's family. It's for his sons. It's for his daughters. It's for his children. As we have communion with him, we also draw closer together. Even if you have differences with one another, whatever they might be, a sign of spiritual maturity is that you learn to accept each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord, despite your differences. And if these are differences that need to be discussed, then you make the effort to discuss them with each other. But we are united. The life we now live is a new life. We live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So how can we not love each other? As the form puts it, for the sake of Christ, who so exceedingly loved us first, we shall now love one another and shall show this to one another, not just in words, but also in deeds. 
And it says we, because nobody celebrates the Lord's Supper alone. We do it together this morning because we belong together. This is where we're meant to be. So come to the table. Come to the table. Believe what it says. Echo its words. At the table, the Son of God assures me that he loves me. He gave his life for me. He gave his life in me. It's simple. It's beautiful. And it is completely true. Take Eat, remember, and believe. Amen.